Welcome back to Run Jump Stomp, your thoughts on games. If you want to be part of the show, it's incredibly easy to do. Grab your phone and download the Anchor app. Once you've got it, do a search for Run Jump Stomp, favorite it by hitting the star, and then send a voice message using the voice message button. Remember to keep it short because it's going to cut you off after one minute. I'll get your messages, I'll play them on the show, and we'll talk about video games together. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get started. Hey Bill, Chris here, iChris on Twitter. My thoughts on Apex Legends are I love the mechanics of the game and how they have uh, done the pinging system for communicating with your teammates, your squad mates, and also that they haven't tried to emulate the uh, building aspect of Fortnite inside of Battle Royale. I think it's great to have two different styles of games. Fortnite can have its building component and Apex Legends can have it be its own game. And uh, so far I'm sucking at it, but I, I really enjoy trying it out anyways and, and uh, dying alongside many other folks very quickly. Thanks for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Last episode, I asked for calls about Apex Legends. I had a couple calls. One of them I had to actually delete because uh, you swore a lot, and I I just don't put that on my show. So if you want to call back in without all of the swearing, I'll definitely put it on the show. I just try and keep this show uh, nice and clean. Let's talk about some other games now. Hey, Run Jump Stomp. So I recently picked up Tetris 99 for the Nintendo Switch, and I am having a blast with it. Uh, The highest place I've gotten to so far is second, so I'm really hoping to get first place one day. Anyway, I was wondering what your thoughts are on Nintendo releasing games like this for the Switch, and... Um, if you think that Nintendo should consider continuing to release games like this where they require a Nintendo Switch Online subscription, um, I feel like there's a tons of possibilities that they could go with this. Um, and not, not just like the NES Virtual Console, but also releasing online games that people can play together like this. Thanks. You know, this is a really good question. Um, Nintendo kind of threw us a curveball with Tetris 99. And the thing that that kind of blows me away about it is nobody saw this kind of thing coming. And it's so clever that I think companies like the other console makers like Sony and Microsoft, they're going to have to do something like this as well. Because let's talk about the difference between the platforms. First off, I think that Xbox and PlayStation, those are like the gold standard for, you know, the subscription uh, every year, $60. You get a bunch of games throughout the year for that, and you get to play online, plus there's cloud backups and all that jazz, which is great. I think that that's really good. They have the features where you can communicate with people. Again, gold standard. It's fantastic. They should keep doing things like that. What is very, very different here, though, is the games that you typically get with PSN, the games that you typically get through that, they are older games. And every time that, you know, a new month comes around and I open up my PSN to see what games am I getting uh, as part of my subscription this month, I'm always disappointed when it's a game that I already own. I'm like, oh, man. I guess I should have waited or it just kind of feel, fills you with that darn it feeling. 
Uh, now that that's not to say that it's a bad thing. I'm just they're going to put out games that people already have at some point. What Nintendo's doing here with this Tetris 99, and hopefully they continue to do this kind of thing. What they're doing here is very, very clever. They're giving me a game that, yes, I can play in other ways, but I can't play it anywhere else like this. And it's very, very focused on online. And this is going to sell subscriptions to Nintendo Switch Online. And if Nintendo continues to do things like this, it's going to sell subscriptions to Nintendo Online. I'm going to... I saw a picture the other day, which really made me laugh. It was the um, that rapper guy in the orange jumpsuit where he, you know, he doesn't like something on the top of the meme. And then on the bottom of the meme, he's like, yeah, that's what I like. Um, so on the top, it was um, $20 for an online subscription and Tetris Battle Royale as a bonus. And he didn't like that. And then on the bottom, it showed him very, very happy with his choice of... Tetris uh, Battle Royale for $20, Nintendo Switch Online as a bonus. And that's the kind of thing that I think Nintendo needs to continue to do here. Instead of selling us old, or or, um, instead of giving us old games for our subscription, like they have been doing up until now with the NES Online thing, like PlayStation has been doing with PlayStation Network, like Xbox has been doing with Xbox Live, Nintendo is doing something different. They're saying, here's something brand new that you've never played before. It's simple. It's not like a triple A blockbuster kind of thing. This is a simple game and you get this for free because you subscribe to our service and you can't play it any other way. That is extremely compelling. And if Nintendo continues to do this, I think that a lot of Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions are going to be sold. And I think that Microsoft and Sony, if they're smart, they're probably looking at that and they're saying, what is there that we can do? What kind of games can we bring out that would be unique to our platform? That's what Nintendo is doing that the other two aren't. The other two are giving us games that are really not very unique to the platform. In fact, you can often find them on both platforms, also on PC. But Nintendo is bringing something unique to the table, which is, of course, something that Nintendo always tends to do. So I do think that they need to keep doing this Tetris 99 style of uh, game to entice people to stick with the year of um, Nintendo Switch Online And I I don't expect them to do this every month because you can't make a new game every month for that. That's just insane. But you can continue to support Tetris 99 and bring in those new modes that have been rumored. Um, And then maybe once every three months, you release a game that is very heavily online focused through Nintendo Switch Online. And it's exclu- it's in, and it's an exclusive. Sorry, I stumbled there. It's an exclusive to subscribers, and I think that's a very very good move. And it would not surprise me if in the near future, my guess is in six months or so, you you might start seeing Sony and Microsoft doing the same thing because that's very compelling.
Hey, Bill. This is Vincent calling. I'm interested in your thoughts on GameStop. I know you're not a fan of GameStop from listening to some of your older uh, podcasts, but uh, I'm interested in why you're not a fan of GameStop. I know the internet seems to have its uh, pitchforks out for GameStop, and I just don't really fully buy into any of their arguments. Uh, I know the Think Geek stuff's kind of annoying and the Protection Plan stuff's kind of annoying, but... I mean, I, that doesn't make me want to stop shopping there. Uh, so <clears throat> anyway, I'm just interested on in your thoughts on GameStop and why you're not a fan of it. And maybe I will understand why other people aren't either. Thanks. You know, first off, GameStop. I, I'm not a fan of GameStop, but that doesn't mean I have a problem with anybody that works there. I used to work, when, when I was in high school, I worked at a store called Babbage's, which is basically the GameStop of its day. Uh, Babbage's was a store where you could go in and buy video games, right? And I worked there because I was a fan of video games and I liked being around video games. Like I, whenever my parents would drag me to the mall, I would go to the video game store that I worked at for crying out loud and I would talk to the people who worked there because we all loved video games. And we would look at the boxes on the shelf and read the read the blurbs on the back covers and flip through the video game magazines that we had for sale there, too. We loved to talk about video games. And so that's where we wanted to work. And I'm sure that most of the people who work at a GameStop, they love video games, too. And, and they like that kind of thing. So they kind of gravitate towards that. So I don't ever have a problem with anybody that works at one. What I don't like are the corporate policies that GameStop has. Things like the ridiculous diatribe, the shotgunned um, canned speech that happens every time you call them. You know, if you just call because you want to say, hey, do you have this in stock? They have to go on in like a, a minute and a half long speech about how this is coming out and would you like to pre-order that and blah, 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 blah. No, leave me alone. I just want you to shut up and tell me the information that I want to know. And that might not be nice, but as somebody who does not like going into a retail place to begin with, to have them come after me, it feels like. It feels like they're attacking it used to drive me crazy when I worked at a bookstore and we had to essentially hassle the customer. This is what I looked at it. I, wor I, I worked at a place called Borders. I think they're out of business now. Um, not because of their business practices, but because Amazon ate their lunch. Uh, but I worked at a Borders and they would have these things that we had to do. And if we didn't do them, we could be fired. And when I looked at that list of things, I said, God, this looks like a laundry list of how to hassle a customer and get them to leave the store because I don't like when I go to a store, I don't want to be bothered. Now, I know that I am not like everybody else. I'm sure that there are people who all of this, the, the previously aforementioned laundry list of um, customer attacks um, I'm sure that there are people who that stuff works on. You know, they walk into a store and they're assaulted by the uh, employees telling them about all the ways that they can give their money over. 
And they're like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know about that. But for me, I hate it. I despise it. So when I go to GameStop and I pick up something off the shelf and, you know, I go I go to buy it and the person behind the counter says, would you like to get a used copy of this for $2 less? Well, if I did, then I would have gone over to the used shelf and grabbed one of those. And yes, I know. For some people, they would think of that as, oh, they're trying to save me money. But because I know what I know about the video game industry, I I understand, no, they're not. They don't care about you saving money. I'm sh- And I'm not talking about the person behind the counter. I'm talking about the suits behind the person behind the counter. Uh, the suits want you to buy the used copy because zero of that profit goes toward the video game industry. It all goes into GameStop's wallet. Every ounce, whenever you buy a used game, all of the money that you give to GameStop goes to GameStop. And none of that money goes to the developer that slaved over that game for two years, three years, Zelda five years. You know, None of that money goes towards that developer. And that always bothered me. That bothered me a lot. And I mean, obviously not enough that I wouldn't trade in games because I've traded in games before. You know, when I when I when I was younger and I had very, very little money, that was the only way for me to get new games was to trade in old games. So I can I completely understand why people would trade in games. I wish that there was a I wish that there was a company out there that would say, hey, if you're going to trade in games, trade in games with us and we'll give half of every trade in all of uh, uh, half of our profits to the video game um, developer that made the original game. So if I went in and I bought a used copy of Halo 3, they would take that, uh, um, whatever I spent on that, and take half of that money and send it towards Microsoft. And I think that that would be awesome. I personally would be a lot more inclined to trade in games with them than GameStop because they're supporting the industry. GameStop and I can't fault them for this because this is what companies do. GameStop does what is best for its shareholders. And they have to. If they don't do what's best for their shareholders, then their shareholders can sue them. So I understand why GameStop behaves the way that it does, but I also think that there's better ways that they can do it. So First off, I don't like the way that they treat customers. I find it to be very irritating. I don't like the predatory ways that they um, try and sell you uh, these quote-unquote, basically like insurance for your video game. Now, you know, I've, I've had video games that have scratched in the past and have become unreadable by the device. Um I can't think of a specific example now that I'm trying to, but I know that it's happened in the past. And had I purchased uh, said insurance from GameStop, I could have brought it in and traded it in. However, that is so few. Hopefully you couldn't hear that car going by. That is so few and far between the instances where that has happened that I, I, of course, will say no when they ask because... They're just they're just trying to find more ways to reach into your pocket 
and it it drives me crazy. And I maybe I'm not being fair against GameStop. Maybe I am treating them unjustly. But that kind of thing drives me crazy. You know something else that drives me crazy? And this is not limited to just GameStop. This is limited to retailers all over the place. And it's the deal that the brick and mortar retailers, who for some reason, the video game companies are still afraid of. We are in a digital world and you can sell your stuff on your own damn store if you want, video game companies. Stop being afraid of the brick and mortar uh, businesses. Because the brick and mortar businesses right now, they hold the video game companies hostage. They feel emboldened, or in, in, emboldened? No, not emboldened. In, um, if they feel like they owe them something, whatever the word that I'm, I'm sure people are screaming at their phones right now, why can't he think of that word? But like these brick and mortar companies, when they make a deal with a developer or a publisher in to have exclusive stuff at their store, that really irritates me quite a lot. And it, it irritates me so much because I don't like to feel like these companies are trying to trick me into going to their store. It makes me think, it makes me feel like they think I'm an idiot. If I want to shop at your store, then I will shop at your store. Working out a deal where the only way for me to get the Loot Goblin Amiibo for Diablo 3 on Nintendo Switch is to go to GameStop for that exclusive content, no thank you. All you did is guarantee that I'm not going to spend money on that Amiibo. Working out a deal where, let's say, uh, there was a Batman game in the past. I can't remember which one. It was one of the Arkham games. Working out a deal where your Batman game has uh, the Batman 2099 skin in uh, if you go to GameStop. But if I shop at Walmart, it has another skin that I can't remember what it is. And then if I go to Target, there's yet a third option. Don't do that. If you want to split up the SKUs so that I can't so that I can't get them, get all of them. Fine. Be that way. It's a jerk move, but go ahead. That's fine. But don't tell me where I have to shop in order to buy the thing that I want to buy. What I would very much prefer, and I'm this way for everything, is that let me shop wherever I want and I will buy the thing that I want to buy as long as it's available everywhere. When it's not available everywhere, that very much tells me that you don't want my money. And that drives me away from the brick and mortar stuff. That drives me away from GameStop. I, I can't stand when companies do that kind of thing. And it's companies that I adore, like Blizzard. I love Blizzard. I have put so much time and energy into playing Blizzard games in the past two decades that I, I, I can seldom believe when they will do an asinine move like they did with the, the Goblin Amiibo for GameStop only. I guarantee that they would have sold more of those little figures. They would have sold more if they weren't exclusive to one place. And I, I don't understand why the 
video game companies will kowtow to to these brick and mortar retailers. The brick and mortar retailers will completely dry up if they don't have video games to sell. There the all of the power should be in the hands of the developers and publishers, but it's not for some reason. And it's because the video game uh, or I'm sorry, the the brick and mortar stores they they say things like, "Well, we won't carry it." And if the video game companies had any backbone at all, They'd say, fine, don't carry it. We'll sell it ourselves. And I guarantee in this day and age, it would still sell really, really well. The thing is, is the video game companies, they are afraid that somebody is going to go into a store and not know about their game. And if they go into a store and their game's not on the shelf, then they'll never find out about it. And I don't think that that's true today. I mean, that might be true for grandma buying a gift for a kid. But when people go in and buy their own stuff, when they go in and they buy something for themselves, I, I, I could be wrong about this, but it's not like I go into a video game store without an agenda. I generally know what it is that I'm going in to buy. And yes, I have a couple video game podcasts. So I'm a little more in the know I pay attention to what happens in the video game industry than the average person who, you know, probably doesn't look at Blues News or video game subreddits or Kotaku or places like that. And, you know, maybe those people will walk into the store and not know what they want to buy. But... I don't know. It just seems kind of weird to me. I, I I know like my son will go into a video game store not knowing what he wants to buy. But I think most of the people who have spending dollars, they will go into a store with an agenda. It, it's not like when you go clothes shopping, you don't know what's out there. You, you, you don't walk in and you say, all right, do you have any... Uh, uh, that 2018 model sweater anymore you you don't do that you go into the video game store and you know exactly what you're looking for almost all the time you walk up to the counter where's this thing there it is great buy it and leave anyway i think the writing's on the wall for places like gamestop it's clear that the video game industry is moving in a more digital direction and i know that that's upsetting to some people as well and I'm kind of on the fence about how I feel about this more digital movement, um, but it's clear that GameStop is feeling the pinch already. You know, that's why they bought ThinkGeek, because they wanted to have something that where they could diversify, because selling boxes of video games is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And the sooner that the video game companies realize that they are not at the beck and call of GameStop anymore... And that the the tables have turned and that GameStop is at their beck and call, I think the better off we're all going to be. Thanks so much for the call. Hey, Run Jump Stomp, coming at you with a new question. I recently picked up Final Fantasy IX for Nintendo Switch, and so far I am really having a blast. 
One of the cool new things that this game has is something called game boosters. And game boosters are kind of like cheats. Uh, they can be activated or deactivated at any time. And some examples include um, maximum damage output, unlimited currency, um, level 99 characters, safe traveling, all that good stuff. I was wondering, do you think that um, old games like this should be given that kind of treatment where we basically get these boosters? And do you think that's something developers should do with their older games? Also, for newer games, do you think that developers should include modes like this to help players complete games just in case, you know, someone falls off and you can turn on a cheat mode or something? I think it helps and hinders, and I just wanted to know your opinion. Thanks. Man, oh man, game boosters. If you had asked me years ago, I would have said, oh my god, I can't believe that they're giving people a way to cheat through the game. But now that I'm old and I don't have time to play as much as I would like to, I think that that's totally fine. The way I look at it is, who am I to decide how difficult a game should be for somebody else? I think the perfect example for this is Wargroove, which just came out recently. I think it's on Xbox and uh, Switch and PC. It might also be on PlayStation, but I don't think so. Um, that game has... Uh, it. Well, first off, the default mode is really, really difficult. Like, that is a hard game to play. And I think that that's very rewarding. However, if you're like me and you don't like slamming your head into a brick wall over and over and over again, they gave you the option to change some sliders to either increase the amount of money you make per turn so that you can uh, get more powerful units, or you can make it so that the enemy is, hits not quite as hard, you know, that kind of thing. They, they gave you a lot of options for how difficult to make the game. Another example is a game that I have not played, but I've heard very good things about. That's Celeste. Uh, Celeste has a lot of features that are built into the game to allow you to uh, kind of adjust the difficulty so that you're not dying as often, which for me would be really, really frustrating dying over and over and over again. So getting, uh, uh, being able to change those sliders or those difficulty options in order to make the game more enjoyable for myself is, uh, I think that's really cool. I, I remember, I don't remember the exact moment, but it was a couple of years ago when this switch flipped over in my head. Um, I was playing some game, and I can't remember what game it was, and I was just losing over and over, and it was clear that I was not good enough at video games anymore to finish this game. It was going to get the better of me. And I had two choices. I could choose to set the game down and never find out what happens in the rest of the game, or I could lower the difficulty. Now, if you had asked me 10 years ago what I thought about lowering the difficulty, I would have said, well, no, no, that's going to take all of... That, that takes your sense of accomplishment away. I don't need a sense of accomplishment from a video game. I, does it feel great when you win a battle against somebody in a game? Sure. Does it feel really great when you finally overcome that boss that you've been uh, fighting for uh, an hour? Hell yes. 
Uh, I remember playing World of Warcraft and being on a raid team and going up against a boss every week and getting our tails kicked over and over and over again because we were filthy casuals and we were okay with it. And we just kept trying. And then eventually we beat that boss and it was an amazing moment. And if there was a way to lower the difficulty, I probably would have said, no, 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 we want to keep doing it this way. But today, if there was a slider to lower the difficulty and my raid team and I uh, said, you know what? Yeah, let's let's lower the difficulty so that we could fight another boss and, and learn a whole new set of mechanics. I think that that would be fine with me. So the idea of these game boosters, I think that they're I think they're good. They're completely optional. There are, of course, going to be people who look at that as uh, as cheating and they're going to complain that they're it, that these things exist at all. And I can understand where they're coming from, but I also think that they're very, very wrong. Um, it's your, in this case, you're talking about Final Fantasy IX, so it's your $20. You get to play that game however the hell you want. It shouldn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. And if that means that you're playing on um, Where's My Mama on, on the original Doom as opposed to um, Bring Em On, then that's going to completely change uh, how, how you enjoy the game. And you should always try and get the maximum enjoyment out of the game that you paid for. And if that means lowering the difficulty, then by all means lower the difficulty because there's nothing wrong with that. Thanks for the call. That's it for this episode of Run, Jump, Stomp. Big thank you to everybody who sent in a question, a comment, or an idea. If you want to uh, be part of the show, all you have to do is use the Anchor app, send your idea. It doesn't have to be a question. It can be about old games. It can be about new games. It can be about anything in the gaming industry. Tell me what you're excited about. Ask me questions what you want to know about. Let's talk about video games here on Run Jump Stomp. Thank you again. Use that Anchor app and be part of the show. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.